Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! Hit the pace car! What for? Because you hit every other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. He talks to me. He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you, and rubbing son is racing. Hey race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to the Drafting the Circuits Radio Program. My name is Frank Santoroski, I'll be your host for the next hour as we talk about everything in racing. Joining me in the studio are Richard Uden and, and Louise Torres. Fellas, how you doing? Good, thank you. It's been pretty good, to say the least, on a busy Wednesday on, a, on this recording. On a busy Wednesday, yes. We're actually uh, recording here, and we're, we're missing the NASCAR race, or we're trying to watch the NASCAR race. It uh, The start got delayed. We had hoped to uh, be able to report on that race um, on the show, but, uh, you know, uh, we we got to get this done. We don't want to be taping at midnight either. So, uh, But we did get a race in Sunday, and we got to see the first look of what auto racing looks like with social distancing guidelines, uh, COVID um, precautions, and no fans in the stand, uh, very limited media. Well, hang on, uh, hang on, hang on. We've seen no fans in the stand for quite a few years. So, okay, well, you know. okay, we've we've seen <laughs> small crowds. We've seen small crowds. <laughs> it's um, definitely not at Darlington. We've seen good crowds at no. Darlington. Good crowd, yeah. I mean, Darlington has really packed him in the last uh, couple of Labor Day weekends. Um, but, uh, I mean, it was interesting. The thing for me, uh, watching the whole thing, the fact that there were no spectators in the stands did not take a whole lot away from the television broadcast. Now, I'd imagine if, if you were watching a basketball game or a football game or anything where you're, you're used oh, yeah. to hearing those cheers from the crowd, um, it, w- it would really kind of kind of – dull the event but when you when you're watching racing you know all you're you're generally hearing is is the the sounds of the engines and there's not a lot of crowd noise so it really to me it didn't take a a whole lot away from watching it on television um they had fewer camera angles um could be you know they were limited with the amount of personnel so they had fewer cameras uh but they they kind of made up for that with more in-car cameras and then they had a drone cam, which I thought the shots from the drone, the drone were good, yeah, were yeah, really good. I thought that was quite entertaining. And then of course we <laughs> saw the the winner's circle interview with the microphone on his stick. Um, so it was <laughs> uh, again, it was it was odd, it was it, it was different, but but it was racing, and we're back to racing again. Yeah. And the race was not the 
crap show that people had predicted. There were some folks that were afraid this would be uh, a, a total crash fest because, number one, the, the drivers are pretty rusty. Number two, they ran with mm. no practice, uh, no qualifying. And, you know, the teams have a lot of data from Darlington. They've been racing there forever. But, but again, you know, once you get to the track, track conditions can be different year to year. Um, and without those practice sessions, uh, but I mean, there were some wrecks, but it wasn't the, it wasn't the melee and the mess that some folks ha- had predicted. It wasn't. And at the end of the day, uh, Kevin Harvick makes a nice headline by taking his 50th Cup win, and uh, I thought it was a pretty entertaining show overall. Now, uh, now, gentlemen, I, I imagine you watched the race too. You're a star for racing as I was. So let's, uh, uh, you guys, give me your your thoughts on um on this uh this race at Darlington. Well, I wanted to chime in about the tele because I, I, I know a lot of people like to complain how the direction of a broadcast has gone from X from the CBS to 90 CSPN to what we have right now, where they tend to only focus on the leaders or the big name drivers. This one was one of those where they showed a lot of battles, whether it's in the top five or in the top 20. And we got a couple of names out there that I thought deserved that kind of accolade for how they were doing. It's like what it used to be. They would go through the field, talk about certain drivers, and focus on it instead of just necessarily jumping back and forth to Harvick pulling away, which he had the strongest car. And as far as the drone's concerned, I I honestly do without the three six the three sixty flippity do the flippity flip whatever that was. But it's good to have multiple cameras in a situation like this where it can't be allowed because of course drones are forbidden on a lot of venues, especially at large capacity tra- tracks or with people, no less. So it's good to see Fox step outside of their comfort zone to, to an extent and show different multiple battles and have multiple storylines and angles, which there were a lot. But the fact that they focus on those that are not the main main storylines, like a Matt Kessif, Ryan Newman, but focusing on a Tyler Reddick or a John Hunter Nemechek, this is what good tv is you want to show variety get people to know who they are and get a good backstory yeah i mean the one thing that was noticeably missing was was the lack lack of any pit reporters you know because we're very very used to the the pit reporter coming to the the crew chief and asking about the strategy Uh, you know you guys feel like you have enough fuel to make it you're going to take two tires or four of those kind of things all that was was absent because you know of the very small uh, team of broadcasters. As a matter of fact, the guys in the booth were not even on site, you know, and and they weren't even together, you know. Although they they did a nice job of of trying to, you know, patch it together from a couple of different locations to uh, uh you know, to, to make a cohesive broadcast. So, I thought under the circumstances they did very well, and it shows, you know, the phrase that they are everybody's using today is the new normal, and it shows what's possible with a little bit of. You know, when we are forced to go out of our comfort zone uh, in, in many, many sort of stretches of, of life these days. And uh, I think they did a fantastic job with it. I mean, yeah, the crowds being uh, empty was, was a shame uh, and the like. But, you know, if you'd never watched a NASCAR race before and you watched it, you wouldn't have thought, oh, my God, this is the most stupid thing in the world. You know, it was a good, entertaining race. Um, yeah, I thought they did a. They did a good job. Uh, you know, and they'll build back into it. I think they've got qualifying in Charlotte this weekend, haven't they? So slowly over time, they're going to start building back into having a qualifying and, and, and practice sessions, I'm sure. And like everything, it's just patience and it's just, you know, people being sensible and going through the motions in a sensible way. Uh, and that's what's required these days, unfortunately. Yeah, and I, and I feel like, you know, from what, I, what I'm hearing, 
you know, more and more out of out of different states here and there. I feel like we may, you know, once we come into the summer or the late summer, we'll will things will be. We may have what were they calling the fans light or something? Maybe you know fewer spectators, mm. but 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 spectators nonetheless. Yeah. You know, I mean, it'd be nice to have real folks in the I stands. I think they've got to be careful. I think they've got to be careful because. If they do that and they go down, oh, you know, we've got to get expect- and the, you know, hey, the, the do need to get spectators back in, but it can't be at the the price of the actual sport taking place in itself. You know, if they do start bringing spectators in, and you know, there's there's suddenly a, a contagion from from one of the events, and obviously that will put the sport in a very very difficult position. So, you know, even if it means they run the majority of the season without the fans, which would be a great shame, obviously. You know, you've got to look at the bigger picture, I think, and and the sport's got to be seen as taking a social responsibility here. And uh, as much as the tracks have got to make money, everybody knows that. But uh, there's, I think there's a balance that needs to be made. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's kind of interesting to see which sport will be the first one to kind of get back to normal. You know, and get to, obviously, I think a lot of the the indoor venues is it's going to be a while before we see any indoor venues. Yeah. And I can't, I just can't imagine how awful it would be to watch a basketball game with no fans because all you're going to hear is them squeaking sneakers, you know. But what you could do is uh, there was a – they restarted the South Korean football – soccer league. Yeah, I, I heard that weekend. story with the mannequins and some of those mannequins – some of those mannequins were not quite department store mannequins, shall we say. Yeah, yeah. Well, fortunately <laughs> – Fortunately, in baseball, there have brought crowds. I think with South Korean baseball, that everybody's pretty much all the Braves about it. I know a good a good pal of mine that that's covered those baseball games down there. So it's quite a quite the vibe down there. But fortunately, there are baseball. Unfortunately, yeah, we don't have crowds, but at least we've got some sort of racing going. Hopefully, fingers crossed. After Charlotte goes smoothly, and of course, IndyCar, Texas, and so on. So then, maybe fingers crossed. The Indianapolis on the 4th of July could be a sign of true comeback for crowds. Sure, yeah. restricted Certainly, in a yeah. way, yeah. but it would be nice to have them. So then more people could show up. It's going to be a scorcher more than likely, but who knows? Yeah, they're, they're talking, like, yeah. I, like I said, the um, the state of Wisconsin is, is uh, somebody had filed an injunction against the, the governor that, that, that may actually open up uh, things for sporting events with spectators, mm-hmm. which kind of might open the door for the, the Road America. And, and we'll go ahead and this was, I'm going to save this for later in the door, but Road America on the IndyCar schedule has moved its date uh, from from mid-June uh, to uh, July. Uh, July 10th is going to take the place of Toronto. The Toronto race was dropped um you know, because of COVID-19 restrictions and things going on in Canada. Uh, but they're going to make the Road America race a doubleheader, and they really mm. – they, they are strongly right. looking at uh, being able to have fans there. I, I said that, I've heard that Road America is open for camping uh, here coming up shortly. Um, so by, you know, by July, it could be that we that we have a, a crowd at Road America. I'm, I'm sure there will be, you know, social distance guidelines and – and, and certain protocols to follow, but um, you know, a, a track like Road America, with four, four miles around, you can certainly disperse the crowd where you won't have large gatherings. But uh, again, you know, keeping everybody apart from another is is a struggle. But uh, you know, again, like you know, people keep like to use the 
the terms uncertain, you know, these uncertain times. So, I mean, we're uncertain what the, the curve on this virus is going to be when we get to mid and late summer. So yeah, that, definitely. But, uh, but a doubleheader header at Road America, you know, along with the SCCA uh, support races and whatnot, that'll be, uh, that'll be fun to watch. Yeah, if they bring if, – if crowds are allowed to come back, then I think for sure that will be something that will be uh, worth deciding because that's one of the things that – and, yes, based on my reaction, that was news to me because with the weekday job, I don't know everything that's going on because it usually happens while I'm working. But that's good to hear Road America getting a doubleheader and also moving it to give an opportunity because that was the big mystery that I had, how they're going to – Pull this thing off with limited coverage, especially when they're only going to allow about eight IndyCar media people around that number at a four-mile track where you'd really only see the front stretch besides some TV screens and all. So that move probably will be for the best. Nice yeah, day. yeah, yeah. Push it, push it a little later. I mean, the states are starting to open up a little at a time. I, I know in in my state in Kentucky where I live, we've um, they've gone to uh, this week. They're going to open restaurants back up, but only to 33% capacity initially. And then, you know, if there's not a spike in in COVID-19 cases, they're looking at 50%, and then, you know, then then 66%. So um, we'll just have to see all all that goes across the country in all these different places. I believe I, I want to say that that Iowa. Uh, where there's an IndyCar race planned is almost entirely opened back up uh, with very few uh, COVID cases being reported. So we'll just have to, again, this is, you know, it's it's been so fluid, you know, since since March when all the shutdowns started. Um, it'll just be interesting to see how it all plays out. But I really applaud the, the different sanctioning bodies trying to, just just make do and, and be very flexible and you know the tracks and the promoters trying to be flexible and running these double headers to at least have enough uh races on the calendar to have a you know to have a legitimate championship you know and nascar with the double headers uh that they're doing you know they you know, lord knows the weather didn't help them you know <laughs> at darlington but you know we've got charlotte coming up next with a couple of races of charlotte including the junior series so um it'll all be it'll all be interesting but it was uh, it was a good feeling on sunday for me to to turn on the tv and watch a race that wasn't uh an i race <laughs> most most certainly and i it's, uh, after everything that's went down having just some sort of racing a real life action made it complete sure it's unfortunate it's a little bit of a bummer that, that there's some restrictions involving those who cover the sport but at the very least i when i was watching the race i was thinking this actually feels pretty darn good just to see actual racing so i lined up my mood and now with this rate with racing coming back hopefully sooner or later just bills and bills it just gives me some sort of escape and also more content to write about oh that's the big thing for sure yeah yeah because like i say even you know even doing this show the last couple of weeks we've we've turned to you know trivia contests with one another and historical topics <laughs> and and those sort of things which have all been fun but i mean it's yeah. nice to talk about hey what do you think about the races this weekend and speaking of the race this weekend you know when it's back when we did start the season we had been talking about how 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. The Toyota cars were seen to be a bit behind the Fords and Chevrolets, and again, again, the the Toyota cars looked to be not quite the class of the field. Again, I mean, Truex had a pretty good run, but but, but again, Hamlin had a good run, didn't they? Hamlin, yeah, Hamlin had a good run, old. yeah. But I mean, Kyle Busch was twenty something, wasn't he? Yeah, he struggled. I mean, that must be one. That must be one of his lowest finishes without an issue. Yeah, well, in he did fail. Years. He did fail pre-race inspection, so that's why he he was already in the hole already, and then just having yeah, all those multitude problems. All the pre all that failing pre-race inspection means is that your your car was cheated up, so you just put yeah. it back to a baseline. It, it's not like you're um you know you're being you know when you fail inspection you lose performance that's you know a standard level of performance. It means you yeah. lose a cheated performance basically. <laughs> It's a good way to you put it, started, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you're just starting the, in the back, so that adds a little bit of a challenge, but you definitely have a point or there. Or if you're running out of time and you're having an argument, the crew chief's having an argument with the inspector, you end up running the car in the same cheated configuration anyway, because you don't have time to fix it. Yeah, yeah. But certainly, but it's certain... I've, I've seen it. If you cheat enough and you can't undo the cheat as you as at the start of the race, they just let you race it. It's amazing. But, oh, you go to the back. Yeah, but it does. But it, first stage, you're back in the top five. Yeah, but it does. It does seem like the, um, you know, the Fords have the, uh, the, the upper hand this year when we consider, you know, Harvick had won here and then Logano's won twice this year and Keselowski was very strong um, at Darlington as I well. Think, I think Hendrick are looking strong as well. You know, they're H- really. Hendrick good. cars felt, are looking great. Yeah. I felt so sorry for Jimmy Johnson there. I mean, it was just yeah, that uh, was just got caught out, wasn't they? I mean. He had a really good run going there. That stage win would have, you know, who knows? He, he probably would have been up I mean, there. You know, but he, he had a top five car, you know, in that first stage anyway. And um, yeah, it, so it, how it many? How, how long is Jimmy's streak without a win going on? A, a year and a half, or is it? Is it it's over? It's been it be since Dober 2017 in May, so it's now been God, three years. Golly, yeah, poor guy. So yeah. Be nice to see him hit hit victory circle again, since uh, this is going to be his, his last you know season of uh, a full time competition. But yeah, he really looked it really looked like the old Jimmy, you know, until that that little thing right before that right before the stage yeah. end. But uh, yeah, though, he was he was having a good run, and as were the the other Hendrick cars. To your point, yeah, all mm-hmm. of them were. That honestly, even before William Byron had his problem, he looked pretty good. Chase Elliott is the one that took a bit of while to get there, but he ultimately got yeah. there. So, yeah, this is definitely Henrik Motorsports' 
if they just have the luck in their favor with a couple of their drivers to polish it up, then we could, I could see Hendrick Motorsports win multiple races with all four of them. Yeah. But right now, it's Bowman that's been the most consistent, that has had the more better luck among the quartet of Hendrick guys right now. Yeah. And another guy that I thought was very impressive on Sunday afternoon was uh, Tyler Reddick. Again, continuing his, his run that he's had so far this year, I thought as a, a rookie coming in, um, you know, in the eight car replacing Daniel Hemrick there, I thought he's uh, he's certainly, to my mind anyway, upstaged his, his you know, more experienced teammate there, uh, you know, pretty consistently throughout the season. And, uh, yeah, very, very impressed with him. Yeah, he had a really good run, yeah. And plus we got to yeah. see the return of Matt Kenseth and yeah. the return of Ryan Newman after that accident. So, uh you know, and, and, I like uh, the I like the politics of the coverage because at no point through the whole broadcast did I men- did I notice to mention the name of the driver that Kenseth has replaced. Well, no, ex- I, I don't know that they did. Yeah, they might have. The said, Spanish telecast mentioned the whole ordeal. The Spanish telecast did, but okay. English, I wouldn't. I don't think I heard I anything didn't notice from it. it. No, it was very interesting. It's like, oh, okay. Obviously, they've been told not to say anything. <laughs> Again tonight, they weren't mentioning it. They well, I mean, you know, we, we all know what happened, so it's... Of course, uh, of course. But it's, you know, obviously, it wasn't accidental that they didn't mention his name, let's put it that way. No, yeah, certainly it, not. So so how's the how's the race going right now that's going on? Well, right now, Clint Boyer has pretty much pulled away from the pack. He's ahead yeah. of Ryan Blaney, Alex Bowman, Joey Logano, Eric Amarola, your top five. The only true incidents that we had is just John Hunter Nemechek. He just had... Two incidents that brought up the first two yellows, which is kind of a bummer that it just happened. But it looked like Kenseth might have got in the back of of Hunter Nemec, John Hunter Nemechek on that or and that kind of been downhill for him at this moment of time. So he's currently 39th, dead last, two laps down. So a lot of racing left to go, but it seems like track position is pretty much essential because, I mean, Ty Dillon held his own quite well. Ryan Priest, who started on the pole, because he because of the invert of the top twenty drivers, he's in the top ten. So yeah, Ty's dropped now. He Ty's now back at twenty third. But Priest is Priest is in the top five or, or top ten still, isn't he? But uh, yeah, he's saying it. No, no Toyotas you know, up at the front. Huh? It shows you the huge difference between um, you know day and night racing. The they were saying that going into that first stage before the competition caution, that the cars were half a second a lap faster. Yeah, because than they outs- were on Sunday. I mean, it, it's it's amazing the difference that these things make. Yeah, because um, this is the first true night race they've had on a non-super speedway. Yeah. Oh because- no, I mean it's uh, it's good. No, so yeah. this is the first time. So this the the, the back in Darlington later in the year. So will this be the first time that NASCAR's raced points races three times at the same track in the season since Riverside when they had three. I think it was it like 81 i think where they started off the year at riverside the mid-season race was also at riverside and they ended the year at riverside so That's it's been since. <laughs> yeah but you I got i mean if you get if you get back to the the pre-winston era you know, all they used to have qualifying <laughs> races that were all points-paying races too. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's uh, that's yeah, why I that's mean, why yeah. Richard Petty's record of 200 wins is going to be so hard uh, for anybody to come close to because there were so many races. Every week was like Daytona, wasn't it? Yeah, and well, then they had the mid midweek races and the you know junior series uh, you know, local race, one of that all counted as as NASCAR wins before they had had put all the divisions in place. 
but yeah, but yeah, there were, you know, back in the early early days, there there were many times that uh, there were more than three points paying races at the same track. So, but it is interesting this day and age to to see you know three races at uh, at the one track. Because they were uh, mentioning that Denny Hamlin, although excuse me, although they had a good run, um, you know, on Sunday. They've come with a completely new car with a new setup purely because yeah. this race is in the playoffs at the end of the season and they're just going to see what they can, you know. Which you know, so The great thing about NASCAR is, you know, you, you get a win early in the season and you basically, you can have like 20 test days. You know, you, you can throw whatever you want at the car and see what works. You can cheat the car up a little bit, see what you can get away with, see if the inspectors know this little bit of bodywork pushed out or whatever. And, uh, yeah, it gives you sort of 10, 15, 20 free passes. And then, obviously, as you get in towards the playoffs, you know, the four or five races before the playoffs, you want to you gain a little bit of momentum and uh, see if you can, um, you know, get some good results heading into those playoffs. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's great that, you know, you have that opportunity from an engineering standpoint. And, obviously, some of the bigger teams, you know, I'm sure Joe Logano is doing that and his team is doing that. And, um you know, Denny Hamlin. So you could quite easily see some of those guys just be nowhere on one weekend and be like, yep, that doesn't work. Yeah, they're trying some out because they know, they know they're safe for the playoffs, yep. you know, and this, exactly. the, the, the regular season champion, uh, you know, I don't know that anybody's really worried about that. You know, so, <laughs> of course, the last, last two years since we've had a regular season champion, the regular season champion has gone on to be the cup champion, if I'm not mistaken, right? I think so. Yeah, true. True X and then Kyle Busch. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. So uh, we'll we'll keep tabs on the uh, Darlington race as it goes on. But uh, interesting enough, we took a week off last week, I think, because it's uh, we were running just running out of stuff to talk about, and um, you know, <laughs> God forbid we should take a week <laughs> off because what a big news week we had. So Formula One has has failed to get their season underway. As of yet, so I I think that Formula One they've just gotten bored enough that they've they went ahead and had their 2021 silly season before 2020 is underway. So, but the big news, Richard, is that yeah. Vettel will be out at Ferrari yeah. uh, beginning of next year. Uh, Carlos Sainz mm-hmm. uh, will take his spot. Mm-hmm. Um, the hot rumor is that Alonso will come out of his semi-retirement to uh, take the Renault ride. Uh, Vettel's right now on the outside looking in. So, Richard, go ahead and talk us through some of these uh, various scenarios with the with this very early silly season. Yeah, you know, as you say, it doesn't look like we're going to get racing from one until, I think it's Austria on the 4th of July weekend, I think is the, the sort of penciled-in date at the moment. Um, but you'd got this impression that things hadn't been great with Vettel at Ferrari for for a while now, and he went there to win championships, and a bit like when Alonso went there, it's just not happened. They've been competitive at times, but they've, you know, Alonso, when he was there, came up against Red Bull. Um, You know, Vettel, when he's there, they've come up against Mercedes. There's just, somebody's just been better than them um, throughout, uh, you know the, the the reign of their sort of superstar driver, if you like, and and it mirrored a little bit in a way with what happened with uh, Seb at Red Bull at the end of his career. There, you know, 
Daniel Ricardo came along and, and basically, you know, upstaged, upstaged him at Red Bull. And he's like, no, I'm off. I'm going to go to Ferrari. And then he had the pace of Kimi for, for the first stint of the um, Ferrari um, career there. But then, you know, Charles Leclerc came on, you know, last year and, you know, out drove him for the vast majority of the season. Um, you've got to say. So, you know, you wonder about, you know, Vettel's mentality. It's almost... Almost back like in the Fangio days, back in the 50s. Is that, I can't win in this car, so I'm going to go somewhere else. And um, the difference with Fangio is that oh, he, he was that good, he could pick which car he wanted to go to. But, uh, yeah, it, you know, you see um, you know, Seb step away from that car, and obviously that's making Leclerc, you know, basically number one driver, I think. Um, and Carlos Sainz has taken that opportunity. And uh, I think it's a great move. I think that there's no doubt that he's a very, very talented driver. You know, came through the um, you know young driver program at Red Bull there, and uh, you know, had his opportunity with Renault, um, you know, a couple of years ago. And then when when Daniel Ricciardo moved over to to Renault, um, Carlos was sort of pushed out a little bit. And uh, you know, he, he was a great fit at McLaren. I think you look at um, his personality, and also last year as well, his personality, and also Landon Norris's personality. Those two guys gelled fantastically well. And you know, on the track, there was never any really issues between the two. Uh, on the social media and on the sort of just friendship side, if you know, those two guys got on really, really well. They had that great banter and that great relationship, which um, I think is going to be missed at uh, at um, at McLaren, but uh, you know, obviously, Ricciardo coming over from Renault to to McLaren is is a good move. For, you know, he replaces one very marketable driver with another. Um, I think it. I think Ricciardo is probably the one that gets the good deal out of it because the red the Renault thing just isn't working for whatever reason. Whether it's him, whether it's the team, whether it's the politics, whether it's whatever it may be, but. You wouldn't. You worry about Renault's long-term future in the sport more than anybody, I think. Just from the sounds they make, you know, they want to come in, they want to be competitive, they want to challenge, you know, the, the championship, uh, not just as an engine supplier, but also as a chassis manufacturer, like they were doing in the early 2000s when Alonso was first there. But something just hasn't sat right with it uh, in the last few years. Really, they've not progressed in the way that they wanted to have done. And in fact, last year they were overtaken by McLaren in that in that battle for the best of the rest, as it were. So Dave Renner now have a seat open uh, alongside um, Esteban Ocon, who I believe is, is a multi-year deal with them. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. You know, the names on that list. Does Alonso come out of his, his retirement? You've got to question why he would do that. Um, you know, if if Mercedes came calling, yeah. But you know, what does Renault have to offer apart from a midfield team? In all fairness, then, um, you know, why wouldn't Hulkenberg go back there? Um, you know, if he's looking for a drive next year, I don't think there'd be any complaints from him to to go back and uh, and take that seat again. Um, so, you know, there's obviously a long way to go now. I mean, we haven't even started 2020. We're talking about 21, but uh, yeah, no, that's that's, that's that, the funny thing. We're we're all and we haven't even yeah. had this season yet. But but l- let's be, let's be an interesting dynamic at Renault this year with Ricciardo. You know, he came in as the the guy who's going to propel them to the front of the field, and it just hasn't worked. And that's going to be 
you know, I don't think there's going to be any animosity between McLaren and Carlos Sainz. You, know, you listen to Zach Brown. I don't think he's that type of guy. I know it's Zach Brown. But, you know, he's like, hey, look, Carlos has driven great. He deserves an opportunity. When he said that he wanted to, or when, you know, Ferrari said they wanted to speak to him, I'm not going to stop, you know, I'm not going to stop him. Um, you know, good luck to him. And we're going to enjoy this year. You know, they're going to work well together. That's going to be good. But I don't know how Ricciardo and um, Cyril, uh, I can't pronounce his surname, at, at Renault are going to get on. That could be a pretty petsy relationship, I think, for the rest of the season. Certainly, yeah. But let's talk about Ferrari's lineup for 2021 and beyond. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this is realistically the youngest driver driver lineup they've had in decades. You know, probably since uh, since they had maybe Peroni and uh, Villeneuve, and even 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 those guys weren't as young as the 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 current pairing. Yeah. So, but Ferrari's. They've not won a championship since I want to say 2007 with Kimi. Yeah, Kimi. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they haven't won the constructors since 08. Yeah. Right, right. They won the the constructors in 08. So Kimi was the last champion. Before that, they had the the Schumacher era where they where they were just you know winning left and yep. right very handily. Um, but, but before that, they hadn't won a championship since '79 with Schecter. Uh, so their their business model as of late uh, since. Kimmy is to hire these, you know, past world champions to come in save yep. save the team. You know, starting with Alonso, and then with Vettel, and then bringing Kimmy back, and none of that has worked. So now they they've really just kind of 100% reversed. I'm sure, we're going to put two young guys in there, and and Leclerc has proven his worth. Uh, I mean, the guy is an outstanding driver. Um, Science has a lot of potential. We've not seen him. In a, in a front of the grid car, uh, but I believe he's got a lot of potential. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. If one of these guys, you know, can bring Ferrari, um, you know, another championship. But at the same time, while while they've got this in play, there there's this underlying rumbling that Ferrari is unhappy with the new budget cap, and then mm. they've threatened to take their ball and go home. You know, there's there's some rumors that they perhaps are interested in coming to IndyCar. I, I don't know uh, where they'd fit in right now with, uh, you know, with a common chassis, you know, but they could come in as an engine manufacturer or could come in as a, a competing chassis manufacturer. I think these are all rumors that, that folks are reading more into than what's actually there because I believe the the story I read said the um, Ferrari's team principal, uh, what's his name again, Richard? Well, Benotto, I think. Benotto, I mean, yeah, change, he said... He's changing it every five minutes. Yeah, he? yeah, well, well, he well, he confirmed that they might look at IndyCar. I was like, okay, you can't uh, <laughs> write a story on that, but evidently you can. So uh, we'll have to see how all that plays out. Uh, but Ferrari's putting their faith in Formula One. Should they decide to stay in these two young guys who both have potential? And at least from where I'm sitting, I... I feel it's a good move because I think the pressure is less on these younger guys than when you bring a guy like an Alonzo in or a Vettel in and they say, yeah, you're here to bring us a championship because you know how. Well, I just, think just, also, just my two cents. Yeah, I think partly also it, it puts maybe less pressure on the, not just the driver but the team. Uh, you know, if you're a, an engineer or a mechanic or an aerodynamic, whatever you want to be, so you know, strategist, part of the you know the team, 
and then suddenly, um, you know, you bring in one of these top name drivers, you know, you've got nowhere to hide. Um, you know, you've got to produce. You know, if you're if you're not winning championships, it's it's not due to the driver; it's due to the car. Um, and you know that you can have a, a, a in Formula One, you can have a how should we put this? A mediocre driver win a championship in a very very fast car, but you can't have a very fast driver win a championship in a mediocre. So, especially not these days, anyway. So, from from the team's perspective, I think you know it's it's put a lot of pressure on the personnel within Ferrari, and I think you've seen that, and you know the the changing of of you know um, sporting directors or whatever you want, whatever the role they want to consider themselves now, team manager or whatever, team principal, whatever the so whatever role they want to hold. But it's um, you know. It, that where that's where I think is the big issue, or one of the issues, is the amount of pressure on the team rather than the driver. Yeah, the whole sport is completely different now, and at this point, as you guys were talking about, that you can be really good, but you need to have the equipment with you to really back it up oh, in sure. Formula One. And I think with Vettel's case, where can he go now? Because we know that Carlos is going to go with Ferrari. And it's an interesting viewpoint to see how he's going to do in 2021. But on the fortunate level, going backtrack a bit, Sainz, last year, he had all these great runs for McLaren. He's helped that team quite a lot, be from one of the worst F1 teams, literally, to now Mm -hmm. the best of the rest, right up there, that could be a knock on Well, next year, they get the Mercedes engine as well, which... Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's fair to say is is um, a step up from the Renault package, but I still think that the big, um, there's still one play that's going to happen. I think in the 2021 driver market, and it's been on the cards for a few years now. Is is what's going to happen at Mercedes with with Hamilton? You know, oh sorry, not with Hamilton. So well, his contract is at the end of the year, but I imagine that he will renew. I don't think there's anywhere else for him to go now. The only place he could ever have gone, I think, was Ferrari. Um, yeah, or unless he's that loyal with Toto, because then I hear Toto bought something with Aston Martin, man, like, or that's, that's awesome. just a bunch yeah. of hullabaloo. Yeah, I mean, there is something there, but I, I don't think that... Um, I think even if Toto did go to Aston Martin Racing, which is racing point at the moment, but will be Aston Martin for next year, I still don't think Hamilton would, would follow. Um you could put, yeah, you know, I'd imagine he you, wants you could to put, be. You could put somebody who's never been to a racetrack in charge of Mercedes and still win championships. You yeah. know, with the with the structure that they've got there, and that's where they're really strong. Is you know, I was quite critical of Mercedes four or five years ago because they were hiring like basically to get a job interview there. You had to have been a technical director at a previous team. They had like five or six people on their books that were former technical directors at other teams, but they've gelled really well and they've they've created this sort of um sort of behemoth sort of thing of a team that will no matter who's running it you know you you saw i mean they lost it was a year ago yesterday i think it was they not lost you know nicky lauder who was very influential within their role within their team yeah um, he... but they still continue to be successful so i think toto moving wouldn't be too much of an issue i think it's valtteri that you know may be under a bit more pressure you know, yeah. would it surprise you if Valtteri went to Renault? That wouldn't surprise me. 
No, not, not really, because if, when you look at that team, you could use someone that's that really understands the car, that understands to be what it is on the competitive level that goes for wins yeah. and podiums. You know, yeah. The Renault will need that, especially if Valtteri gets – is decides to move on or they want to bring up like a George Russell to Mercedes to Mercedes. Well, yeah. I mean, I think George, I mean, I, I, I still rate that what George Russell did last year in that Williams was very impressive, you know, to out qualify Kubica in every session or in every qualifying session, which, you know, okay. Kubica, you know, he, he wasn't that cutting edge that he was obviously pre pre his injury, but it was still damn impressive. And, you know, basically, that's not making mistakes in any qualifying session. That's not making mistakes. So, you know, hats off to what George Russell did. I have a lot of respect for the kid, and I think he's going to become a exceptionally talented driver, uh, nice. far more so than um, than maybe people give him credit because they're not. He doesn't have the exposure that Alando Norris or an Alex Albon's having right now. Yeah, or even the championship point as well, which I'm, this is well, going to be yeah, the I mean, big that, goal. That was just a crapshoot, wasn't it, at Germany last year? Um, yeah, because... But he's certainly the Williams is, is going to be closer, I think, uh, this year than it was last. I mean, last year was pretty, yeah. uh, you know, it the whole Paddy Lois issue. Oh, I mean, the whole Paddy Lowe issue at the start of the season, whether it did rest on him, I don't think it rested on his shoulders as much as... It, they made it out to me. I think he was a bit of a scapegoat, but you you know you move on from there, and um, I, I think that they'll do better this year. It'll give Russell an opportunity to really show what he's capable of. And, and you know, if if Mercedes want to go down that route of not you know of letting Bottas go because they have these you know drivers available to them, then um, you know Russell wouldn't be a bad shout. But you know, obviously the thing you know the guys you're looking at there are. You know, would they would they go for Alonso? Would they go for a Vettel to go up against Hamilton? Yeah, it's going to be quite a 2021 season if it's going to be just a 2021. Because who knows? I still firmly believe that there's a slim chance that I won't be terribly surprised if they find a way to make it a super season. But there's so much, yeah. a lot of stuff to be sorted, a lot of political games to be mm-hmm. dealt with if they want well, to make it a super year. One of the things you also, another thing to consider, a lot, you know, a lot of unknowns and variables and uniqueness going on, especially for next season for 2021, is because within reason, the teams have to keep the same cars that they've run in 2020. So I think mm-hmm. they're giving it a point system. So there are certain areas of the car they can develop and modify for 2021, but very limited. Yeah. So you could be, you know, you've been in a situation where, and what people don't realize is how closely a lot of these cars are designed around driver preference so you know every driver on that in that on that grid on a full one grid has a different driving style as any racing series throughout the world you know some drivers are very what i'd call binary you know on and off the throttle on and off the brake pedal others are very soft on the brake pedal and soft on the throttle and will caress the car around others are aggressive on tire wear others are softer on t- you know it varies obviously so you could have a lot of these cars designed you know, for the 2020 drivers, now they've suddenly got a 2021 driver in basically the same chassis with the same setup and the same uh, geometry. And it'll be interesting to see how some of the drivers moving into teams will react to these cars that maybe haven't been designed around them like they would have been under normal, um, you know, timing, should we say. Interesting, interesting to think about, yeah. yeah. Now, it could be, it could lead to interesting 
starts of the years for certain drivers that are driving another style. Maybe we could see a driver grow, get them tested to try something that they're not used to, which can be a risk, but also it could probably build character on their driving. And I mean, these are the you know some of the twenty best drivers in the world. So you know the 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 cream will still rise to the top, as it were. You know, and they will learn and they will adapt and they will um, you know change their driving style accordingly. But it could you know potentially show some of the guys up that um, aren't um, you know your normal front runners um, or you know your normal you know guys that they they suddenly get into a situation where the they're underperforming a little bit because they're just not used to the configuration set up at the car. Yeah, so let's talk about the Formula One schedule a bit because we, uh, interestingly enough, while we're we're slowly starting to get some racing back in the states here, it's a bit different uh, for Formula One with all the international travel and mm-hmm. you know, different quarantines at different places. And I read a, a bit the other day that while they they had struck a deal to run two races in Great Britain. Um, yeah. that maybe that's not going to happen now due to some of the quarantine rules uh, in, yeah. the, in the country. What, what do you know what's going on with that there, Richard? So in the in the UK, um, they now, starting in June or July, um, any visitor to the UK will have to spend 14 days in quarantine. Um, now, it's not like they have to sit in the airport for 14 days or anything. But they have to be in a fixed location that they report to the authorities and they're not allowed to leave the house and they're not allowed to travel, blah, blah, blah. Um, so that that, uh, that screws my travel plans for the rest of the year. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, it would basically mean that, you know, teams from based outside of Europe, oh, sorry, outside of the UK. So the Alpha, whatever they're called now, Toro Rosso, um, they're going to be... Um, you know, Toro Rosso, Ferrari, Sauber. Um, well, then a Pirelli, number a number of the drivers, you know, have homes. Yeah, in other places you know, Pirelli. Too, so. um, you know, the, the, yeah, the drivers. Yeah, I mean, Pirelli, um, Renault engines, Ferrari engine guys. You know, they just won't be able to attend. So, and and the government have turned around in, in the UK and said that there's no exemptions to this, and and you can understand that. You know, they, they can't be seen to be, you know, oh, well, this is okay for them to do it, but not okay for you, and I know Formula One have been trying to put this concept of a bubble in place, you know, where they charter flights and they charter transportation and they'll book out whole hotels and nobody will come in and out of the, you know, facilities and all this sort of stuff to just, you know, but obviously that hasn't been enough to persuade some of the authorities. So within mainland Europe, uh, I think they're looking to go to Hockenheim, uh, potentially to replace Silverstone for these two races. Um so we'll see what happens with that. But, uh, yeah, it'd be a shame if they don't get to Silverstone because, uh, you know, the UK is the, is the home of Formula One and, you know, that sort of stretch of the Midlands from, you know, the, the cities of Milton Keynes, which is where Red Bull are based, then Silverstone, you've got um, a racing point, then you know, just down the road, Brackley, where, where um, Mercedes are, then you sort of go over just past Oxford, you've got Williams, and then down into Surrey and you've got McLaren, you know, there's that whole sort of arc of maybe 50 miles they've got um you know four or five of the really really big teams based in a small area so uh, it'll be devastating if they're racing in other parts of the world and, and not servicing and maybe these travel restrictions will be lifted and later in the year they can get out to silverstone but uh, as i know all too well the uh, the weather um <laughs> the weather at silverstone even in the middle of july can be um 
more akin to an Arctic winter's day than 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 anything else. So, you know, if they are looking to run it in October or something, then weather could be a bit of an issue. We'll put the snow tires on, right? No. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, mean, I, yeah I, I mean, of all of all the, the the racing, you know, it seems like Formula One has the toughest time just because of all the international travel. And, I, and I've, I've not heard anything out of WEC if we're going to see any events this year or not. Uh, Imps is gearing to start up, I hear, um, with with some events. Um, yeah, as, they up. Yep. Yeah, as is, I believe, uh, like Pirelli World Challenge is getting ready to gear up for a couple of events. Uh, you know, maybe with spectators, maybe not. It's again, I just, you know, I just, I hate that the whole world is in flux, and um, you know, I'm, you know, not, not sure what's going to happen next. So, uh, but let's let's talk about 2021 for a minute. Or, not like we haven't been for the last bit, but the um, the other tidbit of news that has has some folks really excited is that uh, Monaco and Indianapolis will not be held on the same weekend. Um. So I guess that opens the door for a Formula One driver to take a shot at the Indy 500. Now, now I don't know if anybody will. You know, I I, I don't think they will. I I, I think the only uh, Alon- Alonso, if he's in a Renault, is the only one that probably might. You know, if he I don't think if he's in a Renault, I don't think he'd be allowed. The only reason he was allowed to do it last time was because of that very close relationship they had with Zach Brown. Um, I, I think true, if Alonso's in yeah. a Renault, he can't. Yeah. I think, I don't, I, I don't think any of the driver contracts would allow it. I will guarantee you that every contract that has been written for a Formula One driver since Alonso did that was like, no, you can't do it <laughs> because it's not worth it to the teams. You know, statistically, you're more likely to be injured in India, uh, Indy than you are any of the other races in, on the Formula One calendar, probably. So, oh yeah, easily, owner, easily, yeah. And yeah. you're paying, you know, you're paying, you know, five, ten, fifteen, twenty million dollars a year to your star driver. Line one of that contract, you're not racing Indy 500. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I mean, these li- guys, these guys can't even go on a motorbike on their leisure time. Yeah, you know, I call a it lot develop- of unless you Montoya and break your shoulder while you're playing tennis on a motorbike. Yeah. That's another story. Um, yeah, I call it the Belloff rule because ever since the unfortunate tragic accident with Stefan Belloff at Spa. That's when a lot of the restrictions really got forced yeah. into the Formula One contracts. And you I saw Hulkenberg, I, he did uh, he did Lamar a few years ago, didn't he? I think he won. Yeah, actually, didn't he won the, he but won again, it. it was, you know, that was a, you know, very a rarity. I really don't think they're going to. I, I, yeah. I and I think they purposely put Lamar. I think they purposely put a Grand Prix at Lamar to prevent it from happening anytime soon. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. So I guess they're they've more uh, opportunities or for, for more uh, guys would be willing to go to Le Mans than Indianapolis. So they figure, eh, well, you know, we'll just go ahead and come off the Indianapolis weekend, which it's been. Oh, they've been on the same weekend for quite a while, but you know, back in the, in the late seventies and eighties, they weren't. They were on opposite weekends then, because I remember Mario used to run the Indy five hundred every year. He would he would have somebody else because Monaco fell on the qualifying weekend. And then so uh, Mario would have somebody else qualify his car and start at the back. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't think we're going to, even though folks are a little excited about this, I don't think anybody in current Formula no. 1 uh, will, will do that. I think we've got we've got a better chance of, um, you know, guys from NASCAR wanting to do the double. You know, and I think you've got a couple of uh, NASCAR guys that are wanting to do that. I know Kyle yeah. Busch has expressed an interest and um, as has – 
brother Kurt also. It's just a matter of timing and everything for him. It's just having that discussion with Chip. Yeah, of you course. A, yeah, you, I mean, you, that's... A couple of, you win a couple of cup races, and then you go knock on his door about that one, don't you? <laughs> yeah, it's going to take some convincing. It, it's, I, I, over time, I've learned to realize it takes – if you want to run into you probably have to start the negotiation now. That's why when all these rumors pop up, Tony Stewart's probably going to run. Tony Stewart might be interested in this. He knows, and I think everyone in the, in the, in the know-how – and IndyCar knows that it takes a lot more. It takes time to set up something like that and the logistics and the approval from the other other camps to do it. And also just put the time and effort and training and run races because, because that's the thing with Tony Stewart that he wants – if he wants to run the Indy 500, he wants to try another oval race, which are now few or far with, with between because there's no track like Indianapolis with Pocono out of the equation now. Or a Fontana or Michigan to get that oval kit testing experience. Yeah, yeah. I mean, your best bet is to run Phoenix at the end of the year to the prior year. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I, I uh, but I do. I, I do like the. Uh, I think it's interesting that some of these, uh, you know, NASCAR guys have tried the uh, the i racing at least. Tried some IndyCar racing. You know, Jimmy Johnson is uh, stated that he would love to do some. Uh, Road races, you know, Jimmy doesn't want to do the Indy 500. Has nothing wants nothing to do with that. But uh, wouldn't surprise me to see, you know, Jimmy, <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy in an SPM McLaren um, on a road course race oh, yeah. sometime oh, yeah. in, in 20, 2021 or I mean, 2022. Yeah, so. yeah, it'd be it'd be great for the sport, wouldn't it? To yeah, see him out certainly. There yeah, absolutely. They're hoping to be competitive. Yeah. I even heard there. I even heard rumblings about Jensen Button as well, maybe in the yeah, mix. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, who else did? The, yeah, uh, who else? Alonso, was, Alonso, Button, Nelson, Alonso, Button, and Norris. I there was guess another name that Zach Brown put out there, wasn't there? Yeah, about running uh, IndyCar races. And I mean, I think Jensen would be great. I mean, he'd be quick. You know, oh. Jensen's one of those drivers that can drive a tractor fast. You know, um, he's just got a natural. Not the fastest guy out there, but he'll he'll get your limit of your of your car pretty quick, um, and I think he could. Um, yeah, he'd certainly give give the guys a good run for the money if he wanted to commit to it for a couple of years. How old is Button this day and age? He, he's not. Remarkable. No, he's not forty yet. He's yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, I was gonna say he's probably a right. But right the difference between now is he's got he's got a kid now and he's married again and uh, and all this sort of stuff. So the dynamics are a little bit different, you know. But I think he lives in L.A. I think he does live in the U.S. now. Um, so, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see how that, uh, you know, that works. Um, but yeah, I'd love to see it. It'd be great, wouldn't it? You know, it'd be something uh, to see. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that, that Zach Brown mentioned that, but we haven't heard anything out of Button himself. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. You know, which is, you know, okay. I mean, I know Button does a lot of the Sky TV coverage for Formula One and he's great on that. He's, he's got a really good dynamic when he does that. Um, you know, with the guys there, and you know, he may not want he may may not want to give that up. Who knows? But um. yeah, it it ultimately boils on his interests and all that. But it would be neat to see a full time IndyCar team just have multiple drivers based on. Uh, now the question here's what I was thinking. I think you have Johnson on the road courses, Alonso on the ovals and Indy 500 included, and Jensen doing the streets. Is that how you probably want to split it up for those three drivers in a one car? If you were doing that, yeah. Well, I don't know yeah, that they. I, I think you're you're talking. Yeah. A, a one off here or there for those guys. 
while you still have your two your two solid team cars, you would have a one off for Alonzo at Indy. Oh, you just create a whole team, three three cars. There you go, one mm-hmm. for each of them. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but well, well, we've got about. I mean, Andretti can do it. We'll see how McLaren does. If you think about it, though, from a, you know, I don't know what the cost of running a, a full time IndyCar team is for a year. But I'm guessing it's cheaper than running a NASCAR team. Uh, quite so a, quite a bit cheaper. Quite a bit cheaper. Yeah. So if you suddenly turn up with a, you know, Jimmy Johnson saying I want to run a full season, you'd get a sponsorship for that car in a heartbeat. You know, I, I think you would anyway. From the from the attention that it would bring to the team and the sport, I mean, it'd be fantastic, it'd be phenomenal. And I, I think it's similar with Alonso and Button. I don't think any three of the. If, I think with in that situation, that's more on the driver than it is the team or the sport. I think if any of three of those were to turn around to a, a Ganassi or a Penske or a McLaren um, or Schmidt or Arrow McLaren, whatever they're called now, if any of the, or Andretti, any of those three or four big teams and, you know, to right, hour or a season, their marketing team are going to have a, they're going to be like, yeah, we don't even have to do any work here. We're going to get, we'll get, a, you know, all the money in, in you know, the drop of a hat to, to run a full season. So I think it's more up to the driver not wanting to do it than it is a team not wanting to field the car. Oh, I agree with you yeah. 100% on that. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Especially Alonso. So we got just a few minutes left. So I guess we should mention our colleague that's not with us, Seth Eggert, participated in the iRacing Indy, little, Indy, he, Indy 500. Fine, by the way. Huh? That's <laughs> Seth's okay. You Seth's made it sound like yeah, he's no longer with us. Well, he's, he is. He is. He's, well, he's not with he's us not tonight. tonight. He's not with yeah. us tonight. <laughs> he's recovering from the injuries in his eye race. So, <laughs> but there was the uh, the Monday with the Monday night um, presented by Kicking the Tires NASCAR uh, Monday night NASCAR Indy 500, which makes no sense. But uh, it was a you know eye racing Indy 500. Uh, a couple of celebrity drivers in there, and they had Bob Jenkins calling the um, calling the broadcast, which was pretty neat. And Seth actually did quite well in the race. He was uh, he he stayed stayed near the top all day, uh, with uh, ten laps to go. Seth running P3 with a shot at the front. Um, Justin Mallow, who's been on our show with us as well, has uh, gets ahead of Seth, and they. Uh, they're battling a bit back and forth, but then, you know, some this guy crashes right in front of Seth, takes him and, like, seven other cars out. So I just felt bad for Seth, but I want to say it was a good job by Seth. Um, oh, yeah. And it was really neat to hear Bob Jenkins talking about Seth in a race. It was just it was just <laughs> kind of cool. So um, now other, other iRacing news. Um, I heard that uh, this fella you might have heard of, Mario Andretti is going to participate in his first iRace coming up. Again, it's another, <laughs> it's another virtual Indy 500, but Mario was on, Trid- on Twitter today saying, my gosh, it's a long time since I've been a rookie at anything. Uh, but he's got, yeah. got a picture of himself in, in the rig. And yeah. He's up to practicing and practicing and giving it a shot. But it's uh, like a Legends, Legends race, and he's in there, I believe, uh, Emerson Fittipaldi's in there as well, and Adrian Fernandez, a couple of other big names. Uh, Louise, have you heard of this one here? Yes, I. That's the probably the only major news that I heard from to the, from this morning was the the Mario Andretti trying to do iRacing. racing. That should be quite a show. I I'd imagine may need to wake up 
relatively early, but we'll see. It, on, on my luck on that, but no, I'll definitely give that a watch for sure. I mean, just one more thing to Mario to add to his resume, you know, as if the man hasn't done enough already, right? He, he's pretty <laughs> pretty much driven in one in, in any type of car out there, you know. Uh, he's won in NASCAR, Formula One, Indy cars. He won in sprint cars. He's won in sports cars. Now he's going to give it a shot, see how he does in uh, virtual cars. So that'll be fun to watch. So, um, but uh, yep. So any, any final thoughts, guys? We got about two minutes left. Well, as as much as as we all like to be at Indianapolis right now or at Charlotte, at least we got some. We're in the beginning process of some normalcy when it comes to our race sake. So that's all I can we can ask for at this moment in time. Yep. Yep. All right. Yep. Well, sounds good. So uh, parting thought from you, Richard? It was great to see cars back on the track, and, and hopefully, you know, we can, you know, this is a sign that, you know, everybody's got to work together on this and just be sensible, and it will get there. Don't, you know. Worst thing we can do right now is rush it and make things worse. We've just got to listen to what all the experts say and the specialists say, and we've just got to take our time and be patient, especially as fans, because it's going to, you know, it's, it's a weird old year, this, and, uh, you know, worst thing we can do is rush it and get impatient. Oh, certainly, yep. Yep, I mean, I today I would be packing my bags to head to Indianapolis, but, hey, instead I'm here talking yep. to you guys. So, uh, so I want to thank you, Louise. Well, I want to thank you, Richard. Change cloud has a silver lining then, doesn't it, eh? <laughs> <laughs> all right well I, thank, I have no comment all right i want to thank both of you guys i want to thank the hoobazoo radio network and i want to thank iHeartRadio and speaker and google podcast and i want to thank all you folks that tune in to listen to what listen to us here at drafting the circus until next week good night Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 